Hobby Night in Canada. Not with us today is Tom. I'm Dan, eating box of Lucky Charms, as is the usual. I'm Mike. I'm Ward. And I'm Steve, and you are not usually eating a box of Lucky Charms. This is a new development. True. <laughs> it feels <laughs> usual to me, because I'm so used to it already. This this should be my life. Okay. I like Lucky Charms. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on, shall we? Um, this week in the hobby. Uh, Mike, let's get this out of the way. Oh, okay. Rip this bandaid off. Uh, I primed 200 models. I'm so <laughs> sick of priming. What the hell were you priming? Everything. Uh, it's my drop fleet. Everything that he built in December. And my Sylvaneth and my Fire Slayers that I had, hadn't primed yet. Yeah, all of those Christmas and, stuff. Wait, you, they, you painted your Fire Slayers. I painted some as well, yes. Okay. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm so tired of priming. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can't imagine why. It makes sense. Well, yeah, it's a good thing to, the weather's so nice out, so you can clearly go prime outside and not get stoned, right? It's called a stairwell. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. I know how that goes at GW West, Ed. <laughs> but yeah, I got also got 10 of the Volkite Berserkers done and four of the heroes for my Fire Slayers. Nice. nice. But yeah, that's it. That's enough. Uh, priming 200 models is, is fine. You, you get a pass. <laughs> <laughs> it's substantial, Yeah, I would say, for sure. My go? Yeah. Your turn. All right. I primed all of my uh, assembled drop Oh, I see. So. I give you excuse. You take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm totally going to milk that. Uh, no, I um, I have two PHR starters that I assembled in preparation for LVO, so I primed all those, and I applied the first layer of green to all of the hulls of the ships. Uh, I've been working on some more drop fleet, or sorry, drop zone as well, so I've been putting some more details on some of my drop ships. Uh, so the little uh, tridents here, Mike can see, he's looking at them right now. I am looking at them right now. In a very judgy, judgy sort of Holy crap, I never say anything bad to you guys, and you're always calling me judgy. What's have, going on here? You've got the look. It's the look. The eyes say it all. Them just mm. such expressive eyes. Disappointment <laughs> for everybody. I saved that for Barnaby and James. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Um, and I've also been uh, doing some more cleaning and assembling of some battle tech. I'm shocked. And, well, no, you shouldn't be because well, I cleaning and assembling is your that's your jam. That's my jam. Oh yeah, that's going to be sarcastic. There. I, I messaged yeah. Dan the other day. I'm like, am I missing parts? Like, is the Kodiak's complete models? And he's like, oh, the claws. They yeah, the, the claws weren't casting properly, so they left them off. Mm. So. 40k players um, among us with the battle tech stuff, you can use lightning claw, like plastic terminator lightning claws. Snip them off a little bit, make your little Kodiak claws. Yeah, so because there's so much crossover in 40k battle tech. There's yeah, more there's now than you thought of. There's more now than you thought of. So. Okay, uh, I yeah. was walking so the battle tech half of it, not the 40k. Uh, yes. So I did a little. I did a little bit of everything. I'm a little offended for a second. <laughs> I did a little bit of everything. I did a little bit of cleaning, I did a little bit of priming, and I did a little bit of painting, so... Nice. Yeah. Yep. There we go. LVO prep tends to push you a little bit. Yeah. January tends to be a little bit busy. Uh, so. Yeah, I gotta stop this. Uh, speaking of LVO prep, so I finished up 
God, what did I do last time? What were, what were we talking about? I'm kind of just lost for where I am with my Imperial Fists week to week. Like, it just seems like one squad runs to the other. I think you had one full squad done and we were working on the other one. Okay, well, now I have all of them done. Uh, not completed to where I want them to be, but definitely... Push like comes the, to shove, they're tabletop ready? They're they're probably more than tabletop ready. They're pretty, they're pretty solid. Um, I basically now have... Uh, I want to do the decals next on them um, so that I can do the battle damage uh, and sort of like the chipping effects with the decals in place. Makes and sense. then the last little bit after that is the little bit of OSL on some of the like grab cannons and that kind of stuff. I don't know how much I'm going to do, but I'm leaving that obviously to last because OSL will show over top of any sort of chips or whatever else. So that usually has yep. to be the last step. Um, but yeah, they are done they're based they're sealed actually they're ready to go aside from the absolute final touches i also got two drop pods um kind of i'm gonna say done painted but not assembled which is kind of a weird way to yeah, look at it assemblies uh all the sub assemblies are completely finished and there's not a lot of brushwork to actually be done on those models it's probably got about another hour maybe maybe two of brush uh work to do on the drop pods and then just glue them together and they're done. So LVO prep is actually looking like it's going to happen. I'm feeling like it might actually uh, work. Um, Sweet. The other thing that I got done is I finally painted non-metallic metal that I don't hate. <laughs> On um, your little uh, not-Viking prints? Yeah, so that, that bust that I seem to be working on for like the last six months... Um, got one side of the sword done, uh, and it turned out actually pretty good. I was expecting it to look like garbage, and I'd have to redo with uh, <laughs> metal paint. Um, but yeah, it worked out pretty good. So it was a successful week. Got a lot done. Yeah, sure sounds like it. Yeah. How about you, Dan? I'm trying to think of anything, really, that I did. I messed around with, like, a few minutes of paint on a couple of Battletech models, but, like, I was actually doing a lot of stuff to wrap up. There was um, Battletech painting challenge thing that I ran last year for, uh, I think there was 125 pe- members of the group, and I think it was like 15 or to 20 people like kind of met that threshold of painting at least a thousand tons of models throughout mm-hmm. the year. And so the way that painting challenge thing went was for every thousand tons of painted Battletech, you got like one raffle entry, and I actually ended up raffling off. Um, an N-scale Locust miniature that I had, so it was, like, double the normal sc- normal size. Okay. Uh, so that got auctioned off, or raffled off, I should say. Um, I gave away a $50 Battle Foam gift card as well, and one of the custom sets of dice that I designed. Nice. So I gave those away and got everything all set up and organized and everything for the current year. Cool. So there's been a lot of, you know, group moderation and getting all that stuff arranged and communicated and set up and all that fun stuff. Nice. So you're actually growing the, the, the worldwide Battletech community. Yeah, one step at a time, man. And it's it was actually pretty cool last year. There were a couple of folks that, um, like a few of the top painters um, by tonnage or whatever did, like using like an average estimate of the tonnage where the models that they were painting were between 20 and 100 tons. So you assume it's around 65. Um, so I think the top couple of painters, one did, I think it was 14,000 tons for the models. <laughs> So like 140. So like 180 approximately yeah. uh, battle mix. And a couple others were at, I think, 11 or 12. Like there was an 8 or a 9,000. There was a couple like 3, 4, 5. And yeah, like I said, it was around hmm. it was around like 18 or so folks that met the minimum of 1,000 tons. And, and they was, all did the like posting pictures of their final 
Yeah, really? so there's some there's like, photographic evidence of 180 <laughs> mechs being painted. That's so yeah, that was work. that That's was um, what was his name? That was Sergey, um, a Russian commission painter, I believe, where he posts like really quite nice, like way above tabletop standard, like lots of freehand, lots of customization, and it's, and did 180. Yeah, like it's it's crazy. The amount of stuff that he does on a monthly basis is awesome. But he's also involved in some of the uh, uh, production of some of these models and stuff too. So nice. It's awesome. Yeah, so it's it was really cool to see, and um, I'm actually got uh, a sponsor potentially lined up for this year as well. It's another um, small Polish company where they do some of their own. Um, it, they have their own line of I think they're calling it Hardware, but now they're actually doing a really cool um, range of six mil like BattleTech compatible miniatures as well, like some uh, tanks and VTOLs, and so they're doing some infantry potentially soon, hmm. that sort of a thing. And it's been a big desire of um you know the guys running the company to do this for a while and they're getting started on it and so they're potentially looking at um for one of the raffle giveaway prizes at the end of the year uh one of every model that they released this year will nice. be Ooh. raffled off as a prize That's to one of the painters so that'd be pretty freaking sweet especially considering they're thinking about rescaling some of their older models and they would give away some of those too so if they rescale the old line they would give away all those too so yeah, we've got our first sponsor over, which is freaking awesome. So those are like Stray Toes miniatures. I can't remember the actual name. I should probably have looked that up in advance. Yeah, that's bad. But that's uh, bad poor form. But this sponsor. is literally a discussion that was just happening literally the other day <laughs> with someone who is Polish. So uh, there's some occasionally difficult communication. But no, it's it's going to be awesome. So I will be sure to post some more information uh, throughout the year on that. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. And it's awesome that I don't have to pay for all the prizes out of pocket this time. So, yay! Progress! It's pretty cool. It's always a plus. All right, so I guess we should move on now to uh, Shut Up and Take My Money. Shut Up and Take My Dineros. Dineros? Mm-hmm. Mucho dinero. My lettuce. Uh, so mine, mine's going to be weird this week. Oh. I am <laughs> buying a nice block of rich mahogany. <laughs> for and what silence. exactly? <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be the plinth for my bust. Okay. I need to have a base for it. So I have a lathe in my garage, and I'm going to turn that into a nice cylinder hmm. and see what I can do to do some woodworking for that piece. How much is a... Some of them are crazy expensive. Mahogany. Uh, you can get cheap, um, like, decorative woods for, like, at Home Depot for not a lot, like 10 bucks. But if you want some of, like, the really cool, like, like wormwood-type root cuts i haven't looked a ton into it wormwood has a really interesting texture yeah they can get really expensive depending on what you're what you're after mm. what kind of quality and some of them will have like voids and inclusions so like a lot of the bases that have like undercut like you know what i'm talking about some of like the golden demon stuff yeah. they have pieces that are kind of missing out of it you could almost like put like little mushrooms underneath that's yeah like the undergrowth a lot of those are cave. are some of the more expensive uh decorative woods so yeah, that's what I'm going to be picking up. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely a little different. Very yeah, um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a different project, so. Very cool. Uh, for myself, the shut up and take my money. I think the only hobby stuff that I spent any money on the last couple of weeks was, like, prizes and stuff for um, Not you. for the giveaway. So it was, like, yeah, buying some gift cards and stuff like that. Yeah, that doesn't count. So, uh, there was like some money for hobby supplies and stuff like that to one of the competition winners from the Megaton Challenge. But, um, yeah, I think realistically, I'm still just waiting for all my Black Friday stuff to arrive. So I've spent a lot of money in the last little bit and haven't seen any models. It's like Kickstarter all over again. Oh, nice. what, are you, what are you waiting on? <laughs> um, ba- giant Battle Foam Order. Yeah. Uh, Tom and myself and potentially some other guys jumped in on that as well. I would um, hope that you know if they did or not. 
Well, Tom was the one who put the order through, so I don't know if they oh, ended up okay. meeting the other oh, guy. I thought you did. I thought, <laughs> I you, thought you put you the didn't. I thought that got kibosh because the shipping was ridiculous. No, we did it anyway. Okay. The shipping was expensive, but like <laughs> the uh, money was, is no object here. <laughs> but uh, I was actually getting one of the um, like a, a custom loadout kit from Battle Foam, so like you can't just buy it in stores mm. and avoid the shipping, like. When you're getting the custom loadouts from Battlefoam, it really does they help to get so the sales. They are so pricey, though. I was looking at yeah. doing the uh, Imperial well, Knight custom ones. It can be like buying the bag with the custom loadouts can be trade. like, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so the the bag that I got would have been would have been like, I think, 180 bucks or something like that US. So I definitely wanted that to be on sale if possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, what else? And uh, the other Black Friday thing was the Brother Vinny um, big This Is Not A Test style oh, yeah, yeah, pile yeah. of follow-up miniatures, basically. Gotcha. Nice. And uh, apparently everybody on the internet got in on that ridiculous sale because they are ridiculously backordered. Mm. And a lot of people are s- still just now getting uh, shipping notices from the Black Friday sale. So, given how much stuff I brought from them, I'm not surprised that I have not get gotten my shipping notice yet because I literally ordered like half of the stuff in that catalog. So, good, good. But some of it's for Danny hiking in, so it's not all mine. Okay, Mike, I'm gonna get Archeon. Yeah, you were talking about it before the show. You're pretty excited about it. Sounds yeah. like I got a. Uh, the, did you see the top miniature on Cool Mini or not for 2016? Uh, was Archeon? Oh, was it? Hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Or like it was. I can't remember if it was the top miniature or the top miniature for December. But I'll show you it after it's. So you'll be. You'll be pretty excited. Oh, yeah. well, I'm <laughs> excited nice already. Model. Plus, I bought the electronics for it and about fifty bucks worth of quartz. So he's gonna have like glowing crystals and shit. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Interesting. Interesting. The bases, I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, I don't think you can make that model's well. eyes glow. <laughs> it's too, too the, tiny for its sculpt. You could do it, you Mike. Could do, you could do it, but it's it's a lot of work to do you that. Have to, I think for some of the heads, you'd have to do like fiber optics up to yeah. the eyes, which yeah. would be silly. <laughs> it would be doable. It would I didn't, be I'm pain. not saying I'm going to do that. I'm just saying you could. It just wouldn't be fun. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Excited to see it done. Mm. Yeah, it's awesome, cool. and the concept of having that like ten model, two thousand point army. Yeah, you could do worse. <laughs> yeah, I totally got that. I totally understand that that draw. It's a lot of fun to bring that army to a tournament. <laughs> you don't have to worry about having slow games. It plays fast. It's easy you to deploy transport. in like thirty seconds. Yeah, it's flat. awesome. It's good to have a monster. Probably matches. won't win, but you can do it really fast. You definitely won't win if you play the list that I took. Best painted and best sportsmanship. You got a lock on. Yeah, this there thing. we go. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to win, and they're going to look good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for myself, I'm also buying wood, but uh, of a different variety. Of a different, yes. Not, Go on. Not wow. rich mahogany uh, wow. <laughs> or leather-bound books, but uh, I just saw <laughs> that like 45 minutes ago that Knights of Dice has released a or is releasing a new line here in January called the Neo Century Easy District. So it looks like Blade Runner from that teaser. Yes. Which I'm fucking stoked and terrified of at the same time. Yes, I already told them that I'd be sending money their way, so it just they're going to start releasing photos of the line uh, here in the next week, and uh, it could be dangerous. So I better not spend all my money at LVO is what it comes down to. Yep. You should tell them to come to LVO. I have, actually. Yeah? I said, like, yeah, are you guys going to be at LVO? And he's like, well, we're just trying to do, like, local stuff first, and then we'll branch out, so. Yeah, they are coming from Australia or New Zealand or yeah. somebody thing, so it's a bit, a bit of a hike to Vegas. Yeah. Oh, so. GW's coming from the UK. Should be all fine. 
GW is also established for how many years yeah, compared true. to <laughs> entirely so there is uh, no, their stuff looks slightly good. larger company. I'd like yeah. to I'd like to pick up some of their stuff, um, and it'd be really nice, frankly, if they were. Yeah, I'm just trying to wish list that if they were in Vegas. I'd probably spend some money. Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, like they save the shipping kind of thing. You spend enough and you get free shipping. So just, yeah, just talk to me. I'll let, I know, I know. I'll let you know when I'm doing the order. And yeah, because uh, I want. I'm talking about doing a new table for ages, so I need to get some new scenery or just borrow some of mine because I have a buttload. Yeah, but I want mine to. I actually want to do like one of the old school, like fully sculpted. You know what I'm talking about? Like static tables, like that just look good. Oh, Not like yeah, the modular okay. tournament style scenery, like just an actual built table. into the ground. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, some elevation changes, that kind of stuff too. And I would really like to do that, but hmm. it's kind of one of those back burner idea projects. That is totally fair. Maybe after LVO. Yep. They yeah, do. definitely not before Helvio. No. <laughs> no. Unless other I, shit needs doing. Unless someone gets me a time machine, nothing's happening other than this army before Helvio. <laughs> so. Even then, I feel like if we had time machines, we would, might have higher priorities than custom no, gaming false. tables. <laughs> <laughs> that is I can't different. think of anything else that would be more important. <laughs> Literally nothing. Literally nothing. You no, know, go back and prevent World War II or build my sweet-ass gaming table. Gaming mm, table. Gaming table. Yeah, no. We would lose some pretty sweet, like, HBO-type content if we didn't have World War II-inspiring, like, Band of Brothers-type stuff, so. For the sake of the film industry, we better We better leave it the way that it We was. better not invent continue. a time machine, is what yeah. we're saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Or only use it to get more time to build custom hobby tables. <laughs> I'm worried about the paradox is going to be my excuse, yeah. so. Doing the nasty and the pasty? <laughs> Did you did you just make that up? No, that's a Futurama thing where <laughs> Fry is his own grandfather. They won an Emmy for that episode. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. That was a good tangent. I enjoyed that. All right. I guess we should move on to our first period. Uh, so we're going to talk about Warhammer TV. And for those of you that haven't heard of what Warhammer TV is, it's not just GW's YouTube, YouTube channel anymore. YouTube. YouTube. Don't go to YouTube. <laughs> that dude's bad. Um, I'm feeling lucky. <laughs> YouTube. Mm. <laughs> it's probably a great site. Oh. Uh, no, they actually now have a Twitch streaming service, so they're kind of in that same sort of space as like Frontline Gaming TV was for a while. Um, they're now trying to do... Uh, actual games broadcast on their service as well as their painting tutorials and that kind of thing. So they are moving into a content provider role, which is really different from what we've seen from GW for basically the last 10 years, where they kind of pulled away from their forums, pulled away from, you know, any kind of interaction interaction with the community. Even even the White Dwarfs pulled away, right? Where they're basically like, hey, we're going to put out a magazine of cool-looking pictures, and that's it. Yeah, I can't think of anything more different then, like, their last Friday was a competitive Warhammer 40k game between two really good tournament players in the UK with a Twitch chat running on the side of their content. Like, you can't really get more involvement with your community than actually playing your games live with your fans, effectively. Yeah, That seems... We've talked about it before, about how much GW's made a transition to sort of embrace the community, but this, to me, is like... I can't believe it. It seems absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, live, you know, unmoderated or barely moderated content and that sort of a thing, it's it's interesting. And they, they definitely didn't have the confidence to do this in the past. And I think really there are a lot of other companies, uh, particularly a lot of video game companies as well, like whether it's some of the indie ones or some of even just like, you know, there's all kinds of, what is it like that? What's that fucking like... <laughs> 
race car soccer video game that everyone oh uh, Rocket, Rocket, League. Rocket League and stuff like that. There's there's all these Twitch streams. There's all these competitive and like they have the play by play analysis. They have mm-hmm. but to be know, some of the celebrity players and stuff like that doing the commentary. And oh, the big one would be League of Legends or yeah. Dota. To, to be fair, though, have you played Rocket League? No, it is pretty amazing. It is amazing, it's without <laughs> a doubt, one of the best games ever. It's one of those things where like <laughs> having never played it. I've just come across the stream on it because there've been a few times where it was like the default stream playing on Twitch, and I was just like, "What the flying fuck am I watching?" <laughs> Literally, "What the flying fuck am I watching?" You, you'll have to flying come over race play. cars playing soccer, and it's really confusing. I own the Batmobile and the DeLorean. Just saying. What well, more could you ask for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, but moving back on topic, away from <laughs> Rocket League, it was a bit of a bit of a walk. But I think the main thing was it's it's a trail that has been blazed by some other companies, including yeah, a lot of video games. success. Like it's not it's not something that's failed for a lot of these companies. Yeah, there's some of these streams have like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, or millions of subscribers and yeah. stuff. Like the platform is solid. So the GW streams right now are sitting at around uh, eight thousand subscribers on Twitch. Uh, the thing that was interesting is so the, the YouTube uh, channels are obviously free, um, ad sponsored or whatever else. Um, the Twitch stream is five bucks a month. So based on the little bit of content that you guys briefly saw, is that something that you guys would shell out five bucks a month for? Oh yeah, well, I'd be you'd be easily shelling out that kind of money for it. That's five bucks is nothing really. Yep, and I definitely already signed up for it. I have no problem with it at all. I only found out about it two days ago yeah <laughs> it's relatively new and they didn't make a lot of uh, a lot of noise about it like their their youtube channels are definitely what they're pushing on their community pages mm-hmm. uh it's kind of strange that their twitch side isn't like something that they're really going after but even at eight thousand subscribers per month at five bucks a pop that's a decent amount of income to that pays the salary the monthly salary of a couple of people that are creating content right there yeah yeah it's not bad um by any stretch. And the fact that they already have basically a set to do this at Warhammer World, which is where all their content is coming from right now. Yeah. So they've got the backdrops, because anybody that's been to Warhammer World, it's you're basically playing in sort of a fake castle. Um, it's actually a really nice building. Um, so they don't have to shell out to create the sets. Their uh, marketing teams, I'm assuming, would already have the video equipment. Like, that's something they wouldn't have to really deal with. So it's basically pay two people to do this and it's advertising that is making you money. Uh, even if it's not, you know, generating you any more people buying your product, it's not a loss leader. Right? Which is pretty rare in terms of marketing. Like that's that's not a thing. You don't get paid to create advertising for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really weird. Um, I have to say I'm a big fan. I liked watching the frontline gaming uh, Twitch streams, which they've kind of slowed down a little bit on. Um and the higher production value at the GW ones is pretty awesome. Like the sound quality is better. Yep. There's it kind of has that um, you know professional looking interface. I was critiquing their font selections a little bit earlier. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's a little plain Jane for my taste. But no, it's it's a nice clean interface. It's the production value is there. They're using good quality yeah. cameras and microphones. Like these people clearly have some professional video editing experience and that sort of a thing. Now, do you think it is Zelvio slowing down or? Is frontline gaming slowing down because of LVO is coming up and they're kind of prepping for that? Possibly. Or? They also did have a, a move and they uh, changed locations in San Diego. I think they're now based out of. They're not in San Francisco anymore. Um, I think they still have a store there, but their their video um, services or whatever you want to call it are coming from uh, San Diego. They moved offices. Their new set looks really, really good for signals from the frontline because they're still doing their, their sort of uh, podcast or video cast, I guess now. 
Cool. Um, but yeah, their their game um, live streaming has slowed down, but they've done a lot more of sort of like the narrative. Um, I don't know what you really want to call it. Like they'll do higher production value, not live battle reports, um, which I actually really like, especially for their Age of Sigmar stuff is really, really good. So they like condensed as well. So it's not like a three hour video. Exactly. They sort of go through, it's very much like an old, like white dwarf battle report, sort of a summary each turn. They have some good graphics, some overlays, good camera shots. Like you could really get a 20 minute, half an hour sort of narrative feel of the game. Like, they, they have a story. They actually try and yeah. not just make it a game, which is cool. So I think they kind of have a different space maybe they're moving to, um, okay. which is weird because they're typically the more competitive, uh, like, sort of video podcast group out there. You know what I mean? And now that GW is moving into that space is really and weird. And a pretty solid job of it from what we've yeah. seen. So the other thing that uh, – now, this is, this is kind of a hypothetical question – their armies that they're featuring on their competitive gaming uh, feeds. So the army here <laughs> was six units of Eldar jet bikes, three units of decan- uh, Vol's Wrath decannons, so like the heavy uh, hitter best support weapon, a few units of Warp Spiders, two Farseers, and a Wraith Knight versus a White Scars Grav Battle Company. Like a, basically the most heavily competitive, awful to play against tournament lists you can come up with and that's what they're promoting on their stream do you think that's a good idea it's it's definitely going to be a mixed bag where i mean advertising for the competitive side of things and showing some people how it's done is going to be useful in some ways it'll give you a little bit of a sense of what some of those strong army lists are and how to use them but you're also validating a play style that is not necessarily going to be universally appealing i'm going to go this i'm i'm definitely more narrative than competitive I actually think that those D-bag lists are just that D-bags, and I hate them. But I don't <laughs> mind if really it's feel. done this way. At least they're Because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, they're just catering to both sides. And there's so long that one side hasn't been catered to and the other side has, or they switch and vice versa. This, to me, is a balance, and I'm okay with this. Yeah, we they, should also mention that they do have the narrative games yeah. as well. Yeah. And the narrative games have beautiful armies from what I've seen so far. Which is also really, really cool. That they're clearly enforcing sort of a more hobby side with those those games. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really like because if you're playing competitive 40k, the, the meta changes so fast that trying to paint up to a really high standard to keep up with that meta is tough. Typically, your really, really um, high quality sort of painters don't have those competitive armies. Do you know what I mean? By the time they're done painting it, there would be a new codex or a new formation or whatever. The meta has changed. It's no longer the way to go. You'd have to be superhuman to keep up with uh, with being a Golden Demon Painter level person and, uh, yeah, have a competitive list at that top level. Um, So, yeah, no, I'm with you, Mike. I think that the fact that they're doing both Yeah, that's the big thing for me. Like, if you don't like that, they're showing you you don't have to play this way. You don't have to be a tournament player. And that's important because that is that is something that, they, like we said, they have gone to one extreme or the other in the past. Yeah. They've either gone narrative to the complete exclusion of competitive or yeah. the only thing we're going to support is Ard Boys tournaments. Yeah. Like there hasn't often yeah. been both at the same time, like having that proper balance mm-hmm. and even even just showing that, again, it's there's no one way to play the game. Yeah. Nope, absolutely. It's, somebody might enjoy playing those lists and that's what their, their bread and butter or their jam that's is. That's jam. Absolutely. And I, that's fine. 
you know what? I, I can live on this side of the room. You can live on that side of the room. We yeah. both have stuff. We're good. I'm with I'm you. I'm fine. What I'm really hoping... You can tell this do. is a Canadian podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other nice thing about showing... Not my hobby company. Uh, the, the other nice thing about showing uh, videos on such uh, is that it's it's not going to pull any punches for people getting involved in the hobby. So they're not going to be surprised, per se, if they go to the LVO and they yeah. you see this, right? They're not going to be That's a really shocked. good point. Uh, by any sort of involvement. And by showing everything, you've got all your bases covered, right? This idea so. of, like, people don't just take what's in a White Dwarf battle report yeah. army list kind of thing, where it's like a soft-as-a-kitten kind of army list. It take gi- one of everything. It gives all the new kids. Yeah, yeah. Give, Buy one of our battle forces. <laughs> <laughs> it gives people different ways to, to look at, like, list building even... Uh, just tactics of like where to position your models if you're using those models in your games. And the commentary goes a long way for that too because they can actually give the breakdown. Oh, these he's holding these units in reserve for a late turn ob- objective grab. Like, yeah, they were yeah. they were actually talking about that quite a bit where like why you would want in a competitive list to maybe forego taking some of the crazy formations for a CAD to get objective secured. Like why is that good for a tournament player and what why how that would play into taking first or second turn um, which is yeah, something you don't really... I haven't seen before from GW in really any of their their tactics articles, at least since way, way back. And and having the uh, the, announce, the announcers there, uh, it also kind of, like, made... It made the situation a little bit more light because you're not, like, with those two gamers, like, in the intense heat of the moment gaming rolling. Well, it also can be really boring, too, when you're like, what's their toughness? Like that? <laughs> you know, what's your yeah. toughness? What's your initiative? It's, okay, I need threes to hit. Yeah, it's not... out dice. There's also not, the potential issues of table talk isn't necessarily PG at all times. You might drop an F-bomb oh, or something. So, where If that's muted and I there's a like professional that. commentary, that's a little more friendly for a GW stream. The commentary yeah. wasn't necessarily <laughs> PG. They were joking pretty good. And there was that's some, the like, thing, too. Is in, they, they, yeah. and, and that sort of thing that we were listening to. So they were throwing around some, yeah, some terms... <laughs> they're uh, like, they're what does that mean? And he's like, oh, I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> yeah. So, so that that in its own right makes it a little bit more lighthearted in some respects too, yeah. right? Hmm. So, which could be. I never thought about that idea of like sort of preparing the regular new gamer to like this is a list that you'll see at a tournament kind of thing. If you want to be a, at the top tables, be prepared for so, like. This is what people play. That kind of little more of the War Machine style of that's how the game works. Deal with it kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, you, sure, you don't like that. Play something else. But there are players that do this. And, and I mean, giving it the like the the narrative play and the and the competitive play, like we said just previously, was just I think good in their in their books. It gives people the option of hey, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm interested in that yep. that avenue of gaming. With you. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to rate it yet because I've only watched about maybe an hour, two hours of it. I think uh, they're still learning a lot, so I think we should reserve our judgment until they get a little more entrenched. Absolutely, but so far it's it's looking good. Yeah, I'm It's positive. You. Yes, it's positive. I'm very much with you. I feel fairly optimistic that they will give helpful advice on thinning your paints. It's just, I don't know, <laughs> purely speculation, but I have a feeling this Duncan Rhodes guy might know a thing or two about thinning paints. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> so I'm optimistic. Uh, you should, if you're interested in this, you should Google some Duncan Rhodes memes. There's some good ones out there. <laughs> I like to run about how Duncan Rhodes never gets cold because he's wearing two thin coats. <laughs> At all times. Uh, At all times. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we should move on. All uh, right, so on to the second uh, period. We're going to stick with GW. Um, the Holy Triumvirate. We're going to talk about Rush. We are indeed. Or the Triumvirate. It's the Holy Trinity, I thought. There's, it goes both ways. Okay. The triumvirate is... 
I, I was having issues saying that word yeah. last night. Trumvirate. 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 Um, no, but the Triumvirate of the Imperium is a box set that's going to be coming out, uh, I think, when this the day this podcast is probably released, somewhere around there. Um, it's kind of new. I don't know. Dad's kind of lazy. Yeah, that's true. Yes, could be some of an asshole, too. Yeah. Now that I've said that, it'll be later. Um, no, it's it's an interesting box set. So it comes with uh, an Arch Magos for a Cult Mechanicus. Which looks a huge one, too. He looks, he's, he's special, right? He's he is. Not, he's the size of a Carnifex. But what I'm saying is you can't buy him separately. He has to come with no, his No, not currently. Not currently. Yeah. Uh, also comes with Katarina Greyfax, the Inquisitor. Uh, and also comes with St. Celestine, which most people already know and love. With the two uh, Gemini, Gemini, Gemini. You know what? Like now, that Seraphim fancy chicks. Yeah, yeah, the flying around ladies. Um, <laughs> the flying around ladies. Good one. In layman's terms. <laughs> uh, but no, when you were just talking about Greyfax uh, yesterday, and then I watched a actually I watched a isn't that like Gandalf's horse or something? It Shadow is entirely. Oh Shadow no, facts. that's what it is. I, I squished the two together. Okay, Fuck, cool. I almost Gandalf the Grey nerd card there. Holy shit! Well, it's a good thing <laughs> I dropped that grenade for you by fucking that up. <laughs> Um, Greyfax, uh, you were talking about <laughs> we'll her talk yesterday, about that later. Yeah. and they had a uh, Warhammer TV uh, yeah. blurb on her that was pretty interesting, and I'm thinking that she could be pretty friggin' awesome. Yeah, so uh, that's the other thing. I guess we can sort of tie this back to the first period. If you haven't uh, got a chance to sort of uh, read up or look up these uh, characters' backgrounds, they've done an introductory video for each uh, character, which is actually pretty well done. Okay, I just saw the really quick teaser one that didn't really have any text or voiceover. They actually have the rules designer talk afterwards. Like they go through the background and do sort of a a, um, again more of a narrative style. This is what where the character fits into the Fall of Cadia narrative, and then this is how the rules interact. Not in detail, but gives you a a pretty good sampling of how the character works. Um, So yeah, I guess moving forward now, these characters are part of the Fall of Cadia narrative. So they're the first uh, the Gathering Darkness uh, supplement. they are being drawn to Cadia for various different reasons, and that's why they're all in a box set. They're sort of the most... Also because they're a formation. They, they get a formation, yeah. but they, <laughs> they, uh, they have their own disparate reasons for being there, uh, and they can operate independently. But this is what, what I was kind of talking about, is this is a super weird release for GW because you have three character models from three different factions in a single box for a discounted price. For the record, it's a holy shit discounted yeah, price. The, I expected yeah. Celestine with the two Gemini would cost what this entire formation costs. It's a hundred Canadian. Yeah, it's not bad at all. So you're getting a Carnifex model, which is what is a Carnifex now? Like fifty bucks, forty bucks, somewhere around there. I would say I don't know. minimum. Has anyone bought a Carnifex? No, I think it's. Um, I have six. Last, 60, last I, I saw it, they were fifty-five a pop. Uh, fifty-five a pop. Okay. Give or take. You can get yeah. the the box set with two. Which is how I got mine. Oh, okay. Because I bought three of those because I have six Screamer Killer Carnifex. That would make sense, math-wise. Yeah. Yeah. It's not not good. Um, Anyways, so they'd be 55 bucks, give or take, for just the Arch Magos. The independent characters are usually sitting around the 25 to 35 bucks. Yeah, I was fully expecting 30 plus for that Inquisitor. The Inquisitor would be around there. And then you've got three models with the the Sisters of Battle stuff. So that's probably another 40 bucks. I figured that was at least. No, no, actually, uh, I thought those would be at least 70 or 80 bucks. Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm saying I'm going low end here is 140 bucks for those models put together. Yeah. Low end. Um, yeah, I fully, I fully expected it to be to buy all those miniatures. I figured it would be three separate boxes at two hundred dollars. Yeah, I figured it'd be like hundred bucks for Celestine because it's three big models, 
figured it would probably be 70 for the Big Magus and it'd be 30 for the Inquisitor. Mm-hmm. But it's $100 for all three. Yeah, no surprise they sold out on the web store. Yeah, no, it's it's a great deal. Um, and like you were saying, they do have a formation. So if you pick this up and you don't play Cult Mechanicus, uh, you don't play Sisters and you don't play Agents of the Imperium, you can just field the three of them alongside your uh, Space Marines. Any Imperial Army can take them. Yeah, um, which is really, really cool because a lot of people want to paint up a couple models from this set. I see a lot of interest in Celestine, uh, a lot of interest in the Inquisitor. And, and not having to buy an entire army of sisters to field Celestine is a lot easier on the wallet currently. Mm-hmm. $100 a squad for metal miniatures yep. is not fun. Yep. I think people are a little more divided on the Arch Magos. I think it's an absolutely beautiful kit. Um, I mean, the 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 cult mechanic is aesthetic. You have to like, because it's weird. And this is the most extreme, over-the-top version of that aesthetic. Yeah. Like, he's got literally a loudspeaker taped to his head. I don't know if you saw that, because, of course, cult mechanicus guys usually yep. don't have vocal cords. <laughs> so how else are you going to speak other than with a megaphone? And he's 10,000 years old, so I assuming, I'm assuming he doesn't have much in the way of bio, or organic parts left. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely mostly machine. <laughs> he's not much human left. He's potentially older than the heresy, which is sort of one of the things that yeah, he can He's been tell. around at least since the, the heresy, so he might have been ancient at that time. He's been around. Yeah, <laughs> he's seen a few things. Oh, he definitely has. Um, yeah, so it's it's really interesting to see this sort of campaign, sort of expansion pack of miniatures. I can't think of any other game system that really even does this outside of maybe Infinity. Uh, Infinity kind of does this with their their starter sets where they have like Operation Ice Storm, yep, yep, that kind of thing. But it's still not because you get two opposing factions, not. Really Three separate ones, yeah. Yeah, not sort of one formation that works for this one sort of narrative only, event. One of the only things I could think of would be the original, maybe not the original, but like the, you know, um, Peter Jackson era Lord of the Rings theme sets coming out from Games Workshop. Yeah. So you get like Attack at Amon Hen or whatever, and you would have some like the guys running away and carrying hobbits and some Urukai and shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, so you'd have some you sort of narrative. You would get those narrative-based oh, oh. or, like, you know, wounded Boromir or something like Very that. Very scenario get those specific driven. models. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is weird because it's not really scenario-driven. It's entirely campaign-driven. Like, it's it's very different. Well, I almost forgot all the Gimli and all the slightly different poses of him swinging the axe, so he's, like, stop-motion. I didn't notice that. That's not a thing. There's like Gimli with it like fully swung back, then like mid strike, and then slightly past mid strike, and then with it like in follow through. Like the Gimli models are not particularly original. (laughs) I like that. I did not know that. Original Lord of the Rings is pretty (laughs) awesome. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm super excited about this release. Um, I'm going to give it a five. Uh, One one of the things I would also like to mention that uh, normally when you uh, play 40k you have one warlord and you get one warlord trait. We haven't gone into the rules yet. The That's ad- true. The advantage of taking these these three kits uh, in one mm-hmm. is you actually get the um, rules for all three. You get the warlord traits for all of them. They all each of them. Oh, wow. use their oh, own fine. warlord trait during their when they're in the formation. They, they haven't said what it is yet but uh, yeah, yeah you get I that. I assume they're good. Yeah, it sounds like they all, ha- like Celestine, when she arrives, all Imperial units regroup automatically. Because huh. I see a saint on the battlefield kind of thing. Makes sense. Yeah, so um, I don't know how that totally works, because usually reserves arrive early in the game when things aren't really falling back, but still an interesting sort of fluffy rule. Um, the 
Inquisitor has some pretty crazy psychic powers, it sounds like. Yeah, her, basically, she just locks people into place on the battlefield. It's a oh, direct unit, or she can boost it and affect, like, a bubble around her. Where you can't fire Overwatch, run, turbo boost. Uh, you can, like, move as normal, but that's basically it. Assault less range kind of thing is and, what it sounds huh, and like. And it doesn't matter if you pass or fail. If you if you fail... So she's what, Haley? If you, uh, no, 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 no. What, no, oh, so, so it doesn't matter if... So she mm. the, the power is you get a pinning test on the unit, and if, yeah. whether or not the unit is pinned still suffers the movement and overwatch penalties. Yes. Hmm. So it still matters if you fail your psychic test. There, there, is, a, yeah. there is a slight Did difference. Did I make a proper there, there, War Machine reference when Tom's not here? Is that Haley that freezes ugh. everybody in the order? Yes, entirely. You were correct. Yeah, Sorcia sure. freezes people. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Isn't you're right. You're Epic right. Haley or whatever the one that Haley's, Haley's the one with synergizes with the Stormwall and shit. That's a completely different faction. It's Sorcia. Fuck, I know that because I play. That's what I play. I had the right yeah. mental image of the model and completely botched the name. I have the right mental image of the model. It's the, exactly the one with the is. giant hammer that is broken in no. that collection. No, I'm thinking of. For sure, Haley for Signar, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> oh. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Fucking up all her. We, we, we're nothing without Tom uh, when we talk War Machine. But, uh, yeah, he's going to be so upset. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so it, it does... It does affect if they pass the pinning test or not, but there are still, like, bonuses yeah. that she gets to affect those units if they... Yeah. Even if they do pass, right? So, I mean, like, jet bike armies, they're going to not really yeah. be going very fast, right? So that sort of thing. And yeah. affecting that bubble is kind of interesting, too. So I think that's a, yeah, somebody at GW's rules design group saw that uh, objective-secured jet bikes are not fun on the last turn when they steal all the objectives from you. So, like, having an Inquisitor, they can just be like, no, no turbo boost onto objectives for you is pretty cool. And it's actually a neat mechanic. Movement debuffs are reasonably common in a lot of other game systems, but not necessarily in GW games. It's It adds a different element to the game, for sure. Yep, for sure. Um, yeah, and then the Archmagos, he sounds like an Archmagos should be. He's uh, got ridiculous weapons, like his Eradicator Ray or whatever the hell it is. They describe it as being like a giant melta cannon that cuts vehicles in half. He's got like this gauntlet that just disassembles vehicles. <laughs> like using a power field kind of thing, so he sounds pretty cool. So for he's that. basically like proto molecule. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thinking, from the expanse that just disassembles an entire ship in the orbit of Venus. Um, but the other thing that he does is he uh, allows the cult mechanicus um, uh, canticles to apply to other imperial units. So it sounds oh, like really? it can apply to only vehicles. But either way, it still is pretty cool to, like, I don't know, give uh, re-rolls to hit on your Lehman Rosses kind of thing. Like, that's a pretty solid buff or any other, you know, flyers or whatever else you got going on. Huh. So, Drop pods. Re-rolls to hit with your Storm Bolters. It's important. <laughs> yeah. It is yeah. critically important. I have had Storm Bolters, like, snap-firing Storm Bolters win me <laughs> games before, and it is fucking hilarious. Sniping the last model off the objective. Day. There's, like, a Bam. single troop squad, like, holding the last objective, the difference between winning and losing, and your Storm Bolter, like, you know, snot, like snap-firing is just like, nope, that clearly just sealed me the game. This is perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it was the last shot in my entire army, and it killed that one last model. Four <laughs> scouts hanging out an objective. One guy fails. <laughs> Leadership <laughs> check to run away. Yeah! <laughs> Perfect. Um, no, and so the, like even with uh, the Archmagos, you throw them in a, a Space Marine Battle Company, and suddenly all those free tanks now get benefits. 
would be pretty crazy. Yeah, having like whatever it is, like nine free Razorbacks with all those free upgrades yeah. or whatever, that's not terrible. Yeah, that's, there's one thing that they've talked about where he can give them a five plus invulnerable save. Huh. So just Ooh. doing that once per game would be amazing. And I mean, also then on top of that, you take him in a regular, um, uh, why can I think of it, War Convocation. So you've got all the Mechanicus vehicles, and they're getting the buffs, and they can do them multiple times because of the War Convocation uh, rules. Gets pretty insane. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, it looks like it's a really, really good set. And if nothing else, the models look really nice. Yeah, you've got at least, no matter who you really are, that if you like anything about 40k, you're going to like that Inquisitor. Like, that is so 40k. Yeah. Bolter crossbow combi weapons have been one of my favorite things in the last like 10 years of 40k. Did you also notice her bionic eye is candle powered? Candle powered? Yeah. She totally has a candle going from the bionic eye up through her hat. I noticed it had some weird like metal candle holder bionic yeah. thing. But I didn't, it, it goes didn't through notice the hat. it was connected to her eyeball. It goes through her hat into like the, the thing that hangs off the side of her face. That's really weird. Yeah, it's super 40K. <laughs> like, you can't get any more 40K than that. That is so nonsensical. Uh, I love it. Also, the reason that she's got such Baroque armor from, like, uh, it looks really sort of old, like, Archaic. 10 year ago uh, 40K armor kind of thing, is because Trazen the Infinite's been holding her in uh, the Tesseract Labyrinth since M36. And oh. he has let her go, and Trazen is in the... Um, uh, fall of Cadia on the Imperium side. I had a feeling there would be something like that because there was that uh, regimental standard article about how there are no Necrons on Cadia. Like, yeah. I was like, mm, I have a feeling they are going to show up on Cadia immediately. The Cadian pylons, entirely Necron obelisks. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing that's uh, my, my the Quixos didn't uh, fuck them up. Yep. Yep. But uh, it sounds like that's not a thing with Fall of Cadia being the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's clearly going to end well for everybody on the yeah. Imperial side. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff with this campaign, like uh, the Dramatis Personae that they've leaked. Um, also has Salandri Veilwalker, uh, which is a Shadow Seer. Um, that is the one that gave Prince Uriel the blade of the Lord. one that's killing him. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the name. Uh, so she shows up in a bunch of stuff. She's in um, sort of a background character, sort of playing with you know, everybody's fate kind of thing. So she's in this too, so there'll be some Harlequin involvement as well. So huh. it sounds like everybody kind of gets to play. Except Tyranids? Except Tyranids. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading in a blog post, though, that some, uh, people are thinking that this is kind of on purpose, that Tyranids are not involved with this, to sort of shift the focus back to Chaos being the bad guys. That's true, because it did shift for a long time to be like, the impending arrival of high fleets being like the big bad in the universe. Yeah, like the Eastern Fringe is just collapsing. The high fleets will destroy the Imperium before anything else. It's just a matter of time, and then Chaos will sort of feed on the remainders. Now it's like, no, Chaos is the biggest threat. Like they're clearly the evil uh, bad guys of the universe. So I, I kind of like that because they are, you know, they're as does, 40K as a space marine. That does prevent my desire to know more from intensifying, though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. If you don't get the reference, watch Starship Troopers. I, I, was, I love that meme. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to know more? Just like the image of Johnny Rico just staring blankly, desire to, monor, to know more intensifies from the closed <laughs> captioning. So good. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. I guess we should move on from that uh, and stick with GW still. Well, this one is a little bit more Forge World based. Yeah, so. yeah. Still pretty GWE, but uh, yeah. uh, we'll go for the hat trick here. Since, Although uh, this is now something I'm less excited about. Yeah, so I mean, this uh, 
if uh, you've been watching Forge World, uh, their website and such, um, they have started releasing a bunch of Lord of the Rings models. Yeah, they've uh, definitely taken over. Basically, Lord of the Rings has shifted more to like a specialist games model mm-hmm. rather than being a core system. Uh, I mean, the last big rush was when The Hobbit was coming out, and you or saw not The Hobbit. Oh yeah, the Hobbit. No, it's right. the Hobbit. Yeah, yep. came out the after Hobbit part. Yeah, who so. cares? Wasn't there something else after that? No, no. Nope. I just no. don't really care. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, but yeah, so it seems like uh, Forge Rolls has taken up the mantle uh, of releasing like a bunch of like kits for uh, for the War of the Ring and such. And to me, it seems very lackluster. It seems not exciting. Like I don't know anybody that's like, yeah, I gotta go buy me some Forge World. I didn't even know they were doing it until yesterday. Until I when told you, you. not a good sign. <laughs> so that's a that's a bad sign coming from me. Yeah, not not the greatest. That's for I sure. I think so. half of it is that I don't think they've done a major like campaign book or anything like that. They're just doing a few handfuls of like random miniatures at this point, correct? I uh, yeah, like that, some dwarf command and stuff like that. <clears throat> that's the way it seems to go. Like for some reason, they they love their Dwarves, uh, Games Workshop, and Forge World, uh, just releasing those models really, and some some new versions of bad guys that nobody really asked for um, that, that you might have seen for like oh, yeah, 30 like, seconds. Do, what are they, like gun bad berserkers or something yeah, like that? Gun, yeah, because Urkai had berserkers, so these gun bad must, they must have berserkers as well, right? So it'll Everybody be, loves a good berserker. It'll be a matter of time before one comes out with a torch, but that being said, um, it's it just seems like a game that they're putting more and such time into it that nobody cares about. When was the last time anybody here played Lord of the Rings? When was the last time I got when, paid to play Lord of the Rings? When I have to, yeah. That's, that's what it comes when down to. When was the last time you played Lord of the Rings? I've never, by choice, played a game of Lord of the Rings. I played Lord of the Rings, like, intro games and some staff battles and stuff like that when I worked for the company when I was, like, 19. So that was, like, 12 years ago. I played Lord of the Rings without being forced to. Uh, but that would have been, good God, yeah, probably about the same time, give or take 10 to 12 years ago. Um, when the first movie came out, I was really excited about Lord of the Rings. I remember getting the Balrog and doing all that. I still have my Lord of the Rings up on my shelf here, but I haven't, yeah, played yeah, a like game. The Lord, most of the Lord of the Rings models that I've ever owned were ones that I worked for the company, so I got a bunch for free. There was When I didn't work for the company at one point, there was a painting contest, which... I painted some of the models that I already had. Ended up winning the painting contest, so I won, like, shitload of free Lord of the Rings models that I didn't want. And, yeah, like, I can't remember... I can't remember ever paying for any. Uh, I bought a paint. No, I bought a blister. I bought a blister of... What were they? Um, The, like, Rangers of Gondor or whatever. I bought a blister of those models at one point. I I do want (laughs) to still paint up a Galadriel. The the classic Golden Demon entry one. Yeah. Like the old Gladriel and Caliborn models? Yeah. Yeah, those are awesome. I What is that? I don't hate it. You might want to talk about what exactly you're looking so, at. So, on the, on the website, uh, it's going through all the um, the Hobbit stuff that they've released. They've got uh, a slideshow carousel picture thing going through it, here. It's a bunch yeah. of dwarves from the Iron Hills. Uh, it's a trebuchet that is entirely too large to be a trebuchet. Like, I, I don't know why it needs to be that big. I guess Lord of the Rings needs big models because the other games. I, didn't think that's a, I thought that was a ballista, not a trebuchet. Yeah, trebuchet. there we go. Yeah. Ballista, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Ballista, you're right. You're dead to me. I'm sorry. That is a gigantic ballista. Yeah. You don't. It doesn't need to be that size, right? Does, so. Can you even make that thick bend? <laughs> Probably not. Does that even work physically? I don't uh, know how that would be a thing. 
Yeah, it's... I don't know. And then Dane apparently is riding some sort of pig-looking thing that I... The pig is horribly I'm not, sculpted. I'm not sure what the hell that is. But that was a guy that was in the Battle of I know who Dane is, okay. but I don't know the pig thing. Yeah, that's what he's riding. What, okay. Was he? Yeah. Um, Either way, it's sculpted like... Poop. It's Yeah, it's not... <laughs> It's not attractive. Either way, it's not attractive. Sure, we'll go that way. Yeah, let's let's just put it to that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I feel like I've I've got like uh, some negativity from the fact that I just was forced to play the game for many years. Yeah, like the, I worked. The fake enthusiasm thing is draining. I worked all of the every single Lord of the Rings original trilogy, like, trilogy yeah. opening movie demo games at the theater because they always came out at Christmas, and that's when I was working there as a temp. So I got to spend all of my evenings on my Christmas holidays in Silver City running <laughs> demo games, which if you ever want to not have fun, do that. <laughs> I assume that being security for Rock and Ride would have also been similar oh. level of enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, that was also not good. Um, yeah, no, it, I, I can't get excited about it, but I, I feel like my, my memories are clouded by that negativity. And I, I really do hope that Forge World does something cool with the IP, because it is a rich IP. Yeah, oh yeah. I, yeah, I there's shitloads of material. There are very passionate fans, which is, I think, what they can really cater to as a specialist game model. Like, they can go in-depth. They don't have to do mass appeal generic stuff. Like, they can get into the, hey, let's have this random character riding a fucking pig for God knows why. Yeah, what I want to know is what their IP agreement is now. Like, uh, how far can they take this? Can they can they do stuff that wasn't in like the full on Cimmerillion level? Well, not even that. Like, can they just make up new stuff? Are they able to do that yet? Where they can just for the fact that they want to sculpt it, if they want to do like the two blue wizards that I don't or know whatever the case may be. I, you know what? They do have like a following and like the people that are like really interested in the books. But I feel that it comes in waves too with the interest level of like, hey, there's a movie coming out. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't think they're gonna have to worry about that so. for a while. Yeah, so the like, Silmarillion—that'll be a great movie. That'll be very dry, very very dry. Um, but I mean, that's not to say that like the models—they they haven't had good Lord of the Rings models. Um, I, like I said, I still think that Galadriel model is yeah, amazing. And yeah. I, and I there's a reason why Galadriel and Celeborn were the standard Golden Demon entries for Lord of the Rings for a long time. Yep, those models are gorgeous. Yep, and I have a mostly painted Celeborn, but I completely fucked up the skin tone and ruined it. <laughs> Yay! Throwing the trash, <laughs> paint over it. Um, but I mean, the the mo- like Forge World is known for like some awesome, wicked looking models, and I feel that this like second coming of Lord of the Rings is not very good on their end. the The models yeah. are very flat. the The pig thing, I don't know what the heck is. Yeah, the like, ballista is. You know, I'd like to see a different paint scheme on them because they're very brown. The dwarves. There's not a lot of that's true. Tone they're variation. super dull. Uh, which makes sense. They are dwarves. They're not supposed to be super flashy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like somebody could do something more with it. And maybe that would help. Because GW's done a really good job sculpting dwarves. Just their own IP. Fire but Slayers, right? Like they, could, they can do that. And they can go in any which direction they want with that. In that yeah. Way. Which, but, uh, again, the, the Lord of the Rings stuff has to be somewhat human-looking so for if the so, dwarves, so which is tough. Are you saying that if somebody painted up those dwarves from Forge World in a good way, you would basically buy it and start playing that game? No. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, but I might not think they're as ugly. <laughs> Forge World usually does good stuff, so I feel like I, I can give them benefit of the doubt 
for that paint scheme. Could it be that Forge World is doing their new artists on Lord of the Rings models? Oh, totally. And if that's what they're doing, that makes perfect sense. Low volume, get them practiced up doing models that no one really cares about or judges their main uh, content or IP on. <laughs> Not to be it's brutal. a lower risk prospect than like here, paint a Primark. Yeah, or, or <laughs> yeah, sculpt a Primark. Yeah, for job a, job one. Yeah, that's not something you jump into, I think, on your first day. So, um, yeah, I'm not excited about it. But ultimately, I do think doing it as a specialist game type model is the way to go because you're not throwing your massive amounts of studio resources at it. You're not detracting from your major game systems of 40K Fantasy and whatever the hell board game they're approaching that month. I think it frees up their studio resources to do a lot of their more successful and fun projects. I agree. Whereas doing the Forge World slash specialist games, like they can throw out a few models here or there. They can come up with a book every once in a while. Like they can kind of like backburner it without completely ditching the product line sort of a thing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And not having to do everything in the like monopose single piece plastics like they were doing for the Lord of the Rings models, yep. which was half the problem from a design standpoint. Yeah. I think it lets them potentially get better models, potentially have a more sustainable pace of releases and that sort of a thing and not take their talent away from the more important um, game products. So I think it's, I think realistically it is the right choice for Lord of the Rings. If they're going to continue doing it, I'm glad that they're doing it in this capacity rather than continuing to masquerade it as being a core system because it's it's not, unfortunately. Yeah. The numbers don't really back that up in a lot of ways. Yeah. I Can I be honest? I never bought into Lord of the Rings. Really? Yeah. Just didn't do it for me. Not even the original set way, way back? No. Wow. I'm surprised, because it was, it was a good deal back then. It was like 40 bucks. Yeah, the starter set that of that compared to other... Oh, God, the GW starter set starter now? Uh, compared to that, that thing looks horrid. Dollar, well, I was thinking more dollars and cents-wise. It was easier to get into Lord of the Rings yeah. than it was... 40k or fantasy at that point in time, right? So yeah, I got you both. Hey, Christmas aisles. time! Let's buy let's buy this corset instead of other corsets, right? So yeah, our staff want to hit their uh, bonuses. <laughs> let's get some course core points real quick. Yeah, oh, let's yep. buy the Lord of the Rings ones. Um, yeah, no, I don't think yep. it. I don't think it was needed. Uh, I'm not excited for it in any way, shape, or form. Um, if and, I'm going to be completely and honest, and the models are, I think they should have dropped Lord of the Rings. I don't know how much they're paying for the IP or what their contract is. Or if is. they're not allowed to drop they're it, potentially drop for X it. amount of years. Who knows? Which would make sense. But if they could have got out of it, I think they should have. <laughs> IPs don't always work, and especially like with sculpts that are lackluster, it's even yeah. worse. Like, I mean, the, the biggest IP ones that I'm most excited for right now is like the Knights models that they're doing for like Marvel and X-Men and that sort of and thing. Harry so Potter now? Harry Potter, yeah. They had a Matt Eye Moody sculpt that, that they just posted up. Of, uh, it looks pretty good, good, actually. It yeah. looks good. Yeah, it basically yeah. looks like a green stuff version of the guy from the movie. Yeah. Really? Like, it's shockingly well done. Yeah, so, I mean, like, th- those models, I'm not even like saying like their gameplay is going to be any good, but those models have me more excited. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's what's hot right now with, like, Marvel movies coming out and that sort of thing, so... But I that's where my interest, like, lies, and I can paint up my favorite X-Men from the 90s and put them on my shelf. Assuming you can ever find them in stock. I have the X-Men. Nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> thanks, Kyle, for that, so... Um, um, yeah, places. No, I guess if you're into Lord of the Rings and this is your, your thing, it makes sense, and all the power to you, it's it's it's... I don't know if the system's any good. I haven't played War of the Ring. I'm going to say it's not going to revitalize the system. I agree. I couldn't agree more with that. 
Yeah, I think it's if it's a sinking ship, it's going to stay a sinking there's, ship. There's there's X number of books. There's no new content. It, it's, it's, it's it's the same reason why I don't uh, go jump into Ninth Age. Is because as far as I'm considered, that's a stagnant dead system. It's not going to expand. You're not going to get any new models. You're not going to get. You might get new rules because they're writing them, but. You're not going to get any new models, and that's well, a big thing for World for the Lord of the Rings, though. Like they are going to. No, no, I mean like uh, this is what I'm saying. I'm comparing it to Ninth, Ninth Age, Age and Lord well, of the Rings. Well, the both. Wrath. I will. I will. I will disagree with you there. Uh, the Wrath of King stuff. They are pushing new models, whether or not you like them. It's a different story. Um, they've got their fish army thing that they've got going on now. Are they finally doing fishmen? Yep. 100%. Uh, the Merman stuff. and they After it being a GW running joke for, like, decades? Yep, they actually did them. They did the <laughs> Cathay or whatever it is. They're calling them something different, so they don't have any sort of IP infringements. Is that the... Are the I'll, pull them up, I'll pull them up at the end of the, the podcast and show them to you. So is that, like, the Jade Emperor kind yeah. of thing? Really? Do they have, like... They're bad. They're not okay. good. That's don't get excited. <laughs> it had potential. It had potential. Don't get excited. I mean, so, I mean, it, in closing this period, I think, like, I like Lord of the Rings. I like... The, the movies, yes. Well, the The story. Novels. The IP. Yeah. I don't like the movies. It's often too many times working for I think the game is a system that is uh, that has seen its, its day and it's time to mm-hmm. retire. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Anyways, on that note... So excited about the first two GW things. The last one. <laughs> yeah, we didn't I'm really excited go over about the Forge them. World Blood Bowl team that's coming out right now. We can just add that in, but I feel like we should talk about that next podcast because i got a yeah. lot to say about yeah. those dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> the steamroller, that's all I need. Oh, I need like an arm. Can you have an entire team of those? Because that's all I want. I feel no, like I that might be illegal. One. I think you only have so, one. Yeah, so next episode we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about how good Blood Forge World can Produce yeah. dwarves and everything like that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So upcoming events. Upcoming events. Uh, so this month uh, we see uh, out of the basement coming on quickly on the twenty first and twenty second of January. Uh, multiple systems. The golden sausage is going to be there. Everybody, get your tickets. Blood Bowl Cup sponsored by Todd's. Country. Is it the twenty first? Twenty first, twenty second. Thought it was this weekend. No. Next. Twenty first, twenty second. Oh. Okay, that's good. We had this conversation last Did night. Did we? I clarified for you, but apparently... That's fantastic. Steve's been drinking again. Uh, yeah. oh, I had three beers. That's fine. <laughs> um, that means I might actually get to play. I won't have to be painting. So mul- There's a chance. Again, multiple systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malifaux, you'll see... You'll see... Um, sorry? Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Uh, you'll see Ninth uh, Age, are they yeah. doing? Ninth Age, Age of Sigmar... War Machine. No, War Machine's no been pulled. Longer. Yeah, that one's been pulled. 40K. 40K. Uh, kill Team events as well. Mm-hmm. So lots of lots of stuff to take part uh-huh. in for sure. Um, and then coming up after that is the LVO, uh, February 3rd to 5th at Bali's in Las Whee! Vegas. It has all of the game systems. If you play something, chances are there'll be a table for you to play 100%. that on. I will make that guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> you will not find a game system you cannot play. If not, find Steve down there and uh, he'll, I'll buy you a drink. He'll uh, he'll yeah help you out with that. 
Um, <laughs> after that is February 18th, or 17th and 18th, is the Colder Than Carbonite uh, Infinity event at the Wellington Park Community Hall, uh, 300 points. Limited to 24 spots right now. Which I'm going. They are in their high... 16, I thought 16 or 17 they sold. I heard 17 was my last one, So, okay. but the three of us might snag a spot, so... We are. I've made this decision. You're going. I am. There you go. uh, In tandem to that, they are also going to be having a bit swap uh, run by uh, one of our older gamers, Will Kuhn. He's going to be running that. Uh, He's going to have more details for me here shortly. But if you're looking to uh, partake in uh, releasing some of your bits to the public... Setting them free, so to speak. Releasing your bits. Releasing your bits. I often release my bits. <laughs> wow. Just wow. <laughs> I don't uh, even know what that means. <laughs> oh, you know what that means. It's provocative. Uh, yeah, so he's going to have some tables that you can uh, rent out and uh, take part in the bit swap in that regard as well. Uh, and then the last thing, at the end of April is GrazCon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just announced they have their registration up and running right now. Um, are they doing... Nothing uh, per se for the players' packs yet. I was going to say, are they doing 40k again this year, or is it just War Machine? As far as I know, it is 40k, it is Ninth Age, it is War oh, Machine, really doing everything. it is Infinity. So they have a couple systems, not a huge... not like Nothing compared to like LVO, of course, right? So... Well, it's pretty tough. But still, it's yeah, up there. But still, it's up there. Uh, you buy multiple game day passes and then sign up for the events that you can squeeze into, uh, depending on the pass that you buy. Oh, I like that. So, yeah. Something, cool. Something similar to LVO sign up in that regard, right? So, But you also have to pay for the event at the LVO. Yes, you sure do. So, uh, And that is all it. That is all that I have for upcoming events so far. Cool. Well, that's another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Steve. I'm Dan. Mike? I'm your host, Ward. And I don't know what to say. I'm not Paint your fucking models. Is that what we say? Or just prime several hundred of them and that's close enough? No. Release release your bits. (laughs) Release your bits. That's a great closing. Tap your bits. Jesus. (laughs)